Hello everyone and welcome to the Theatre Pitch Podcast. My name is Gem, this is Sean. Hello Gemma. Hello and this is Joe. Hey. And you guys listening and watching are you guys. And in this podcast we take a random online encyclopedia page and article every week and we each come up with a way that we would pitch it as a theatre show and turn it into a theatre performance. And then at the end of the podcast, in true OFITD style, we take all three pitches and we smush them together to try and make something coherent. So this episode, handing over to Joe and your radio voice, what is this episode all about, Joe? This week we're talking about the Leningrad class destroyer. The six Leningrad-class destroyer leaders were built for the Soviet Navy in the 1930s. They were inspired by the Comte Topilier, built for the French Navy. They were ordered in two batches of three ships each. The first group was designated Project 1, and the second Project 38. These were ships built for the... They were the first large vessels designed and built by the Soviets after the October Revolution of 1917. Uh, just just quickly before we move on, Joe, can you... Uh, what was the name of that French thing? Uh, what? The Comte Topilier. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Uh, it's um, it's also my nickname for Gem, the Comte Topilier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How did you guys find the this article this week? Um, um, well, I'll be honest. In typical Joe style, I'm reading it now. I brilliant. I came up with my idea um, earlier today while I was like twenty foot high on a ladder, and I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll do that." What, what, did the ladder inspire it? No, or... no. It's just what I was doing was really boring, so my mind wandered elsewhere. <laughs> I I was very determined to try and find because it's the, it's like Leningrad and I was desperately trying to find a link other than just sounding the same and being of the same sort of persuasion as the 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 siege on Leningrad but there is 20 years difference and it was a very flimsy way to connect them that I found um but I I'm quite excited about my show Are you? Cool. In that case, you want to <laughs> you tell us what it is? clearly aren't. <laughs> and we're excited. There's a weird atmosphere today, isn't there? <laughs> I can feel it. There it's is. Weird... Yeah. I haven't had a milkshake, which I think that might be why, but I don't know what your excuse is. But show off my, your... My excuse, I'll be honest, is I, I, I had the idea for my show, and I was like, yeah, I like that. That's, I, that's cool. And I spent the rest of the week... Uh, surveying everybody that I know as to what the best kind of potato is and what their favourite chip is because last week's podcast really had an impact on me. Okay, what's the best kind of potato? Come on, it's a russet. Don't even get into that shit. No, everybody seems to like chips over everything else. It tends to go chips and then either a jack potato or mash. Okay, but that's and not your favourite kind of people... potato. That's your favourite way of preparing it. That's a different That's what question. I was surveying. I wasn't going around asking people. I don't even know the kind of types of potato outside of sweet and normal. Nobody, by the way, that is one thing that is categorically like universal from everybody I've spoken to, is nobody understands why sweet potato is charged more because none of us actually like it. We like one or hey, two sweet hey, potato hey, chips, and then it's like, well, oh, just give me... If you, if you give me a handful of sweet potato chips, I'm happy. But if you give me a bucket of normal chips, I'm, I'm happier. Jam. Yeah. You know, you said you had an idea for a pitch. Yes. Do you want to do it? Well, like now? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not even going to try and figure a way <laughs> to, like, make chips my pitch for this. Um, So, my pitch is actually quite simple. Um... So I want to do a verbatim theatre piece. So for anybody who doesn't know what verbatim is, that is when you take real life stories from real people and you use the words, actions and, and delivery of those real people. So it borders on that weird line of sort of mimicry, uh, but it's essentially it's, it's bringing to life 
reality. It's doing it verbatim. So I want to do a verbatim theatre piece about the sailors that were on this ship and the pilots that flew the helicopters from this ship when it was in commission uh, for the Soviet Union in the 60s. Uh, but I want to do it from their perspective of now um, and their perspective of now with the enlightenment of, of modern day ethos and, and the 2020 hindsight vision of history. Uh, because I think it's, it's, it's very interesting for those, uh, people because they come from a, a country and a place that was entirely just demolished and destroyed by war, but also built on war and, and, and benefited from war. Um, and so war is a big part of this, this idea of the Soviet Union. And, um, so I think the piece will be looking at and examining this concept of war and what it does to people and how it makes and breaks people and things and and the impact it has not only on individuals but on on cultures and countries but told through the lens of a verbatim piece from the sailors of this ship and the pilots from of the helicopters that interacted with this ship there you go i talked blessed this week so, um, you want it to be verbatim, so uh, let's drill down into how are you going to stage this? Good question, Joe. Yeah, so the, um, the, 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 the staging in my, in my mind is very much based on, I, a few years ago, did a rendition of Josh Ceausescu by, her name's just gone out of my head uh big famous playwright um but how we did that was we did it in a black box theater but we used light and projection and soundscape in order to build the memories of of these people uh that play was all about the um the residents of uh Romania during Ceausescu's reign um who was the president back then but i think black box with slight projections but mainly light and soundscapes that bring us into moments that highlight moments of these speeches and these 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 chats um with these sailors so that it kind of illustrates what they're talking about if they're if they talk about being on the ship or being in the chopper um using sound and light to to further illustrate that story uh but mainly i think very it's very very minimalist it's very very simplistic um it's in a black box it is tourable uh because i think it would probably hold a message and it'll hold stories that matter because people's stories matter uh so yeah it's something i want to be able to tour quite easily as well Sean, any questions? Any I haven't questions? got. I haven't got any questions really, because Joe, you, you've you've asked the most important question, and there's not really anything to like get in, in terms of plot because it's 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 true story. It's it is one of yeah. It's uh, um yeah. I so get it. The it's similar to it's so similar the story sort of, is the story of the sort... men on the ships. So what? <laughs> Sean, what were you going to say? Me and Joe what? talking over one another. That's our show. Yeah. Sorry, I, I Sean's audio cut out for me for a second, so I didn't oh, realize yeah, he was talking yeah. over me. I yeah, I just had bombardment. That's his excuse all Sean. the time. I carried on talking because my audio cut out. No, normally my excuse is sorry I was talking because I felt my point was more important than Sean's. In this instance, it was legitimately I didn't realize he was also talking. Um, yeah, I I like it. It's very it's similar to what I done with the plane a couple of weeks ago or months ago. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 always a good one with something historical like this, where people have worked on it and they're still alive. 
probably. Yeah. It's that like it's a good one to really, you know, because these people lived, these people lived, lived on the ship, worked on the ship. Yeah. Um, you know, f- experienced life and death situations on the ship. So telling the true stories are probably better than anything fictional. And also, I, I mean, I, I might be wrong about this. I'm not a massive Soviet historian, but I believe at a, in, in around the 60s, they, uh, the Soviet Union were invading, or at least they were at war with Afghanistan, which I think that narrative is something that our generation and the, gen- you know, the, 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 the generation above us twofold we all have lifelong memories of war with afghanistan war with the eastern states um so i think there can be parallels drawn and 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 interesting commentary made on those kinds of things but framed within already a narrative that we are very familiar with so the aim of it, just to check, is to present kind of this period in history through the tales of the men who worked on the ships. Yeah, it's 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 that period of history, but it's also it's it's war in general because I don't want it to be the stories drawn from letters written from the time, or 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 I don't want it to be insular to to the knowledge of its presence. I want it to be told from the perspective of modern day because you can go to war completely believing in something and then after the war and many years later with the enlightenment of, 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 of that we've gained through time because it was a very 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 different world back in the 60s back in the 70s but speaking from the modern day so so it's more of an examination and 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 a collection of thoughts on the concept of war and the impact of war um from the perspective of somebody who's been on the front line but then also moved through past and you know come out of it in a very very detailed way so that that's that's where i've was really finding it interesting rather than just having it be another version of we always see that like the 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 story of the world war told from within it you know which is which is very very relevant but i think hearing we we don't often hear from the perspective of the people who are or were still alive until quite recently from their enlightened aged point of view because I'd imagine if you go to war to try and stop something, you know, the war to end all wars was was that one. But if you're if you're going to war to try and stop something, but then you've lived another 50, 60 years and that thing is still there and we're still making the same mistakes. I can imagine that's freaking irritating at the very least, never mind enraging and, and heartbreaking. Um but also, you know, the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore, and these people were fighting for a a collective that doesn't exist anymore. So, how is that an impact on what they were doing and how how they see themselves and how they see war and their sacrifice and the sacrifice of their brothers and sisters in arms and and you know, yeah, that's where I find it interesting. Is war from the modern day perspective of someone who's there and can i assume on the base of the other week where you want to do a piece about why um banks are bad and you want to do it in a bank that this is going to take be performed actually in a black box in the un uh, no it's touring so i know i was black being, box around I was the being world. perfectly facetious for once I know, I know, I know, but I'm being purposefully dead serious and typically classically gem of of storming through that joke and and nailing my point still. So hang on. So classic gem is running straight through a joke, destroying it to prove a point. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Just yeah. Just so we're all in agreement. <laughs> For anyone who's wondering, Jem has taken a stand-up comedy course. I have, I have. <laughs> and I forgot and, that was and, a thing. <laughs> I was told I was one of the best there at the night. People thought I was actually a professional comedian who just decided to hang with newbies, which that's when I was like, I don't trust any of your opinions anymore. Um, all of the laughter was fake. No, Sean, this is why we made me the host is because I'm always still trying to keep on task, like somebody who has and never knows how to make Yeah, fun. trying to keep on task. Hey, Jem, tell us more about potatoes. Oh! Can I just... The favourite condiment is tomato sauce. Stop. Right. No, right. I will end potato talk here because my internet cut out just as we were getting on, which annoyed me. Right. There's no more potato talk on this show whatsoever. Right. The best version of potatoes, right, are roast potatoes that have been roasted in goose fat. Done. No more. No more potatoes. No more anything, and I swear to God, if we get, like, next week is, like, the potato famine in Ireland, I swear to God, I am not doing this podcast anymore, and I'm never using Wikipedia, okay? We're done. We're done. No more. If Mr. Potato Head comes up, we're not doing it. If Gary Lineker comes up, we're not doing it, okay? We're moving on. Joe, what is your pitch? Okay, so my pitch revolves around the fact that later on in the article it mentions that um, sometime around the 50s, after the war was over, there were attempts made to modernise these class of ships, but that the process seemed too costly, so eventually they were decommissioned and the ships that weren't actually sunk in the Second World War were just used as training and target vessels in the preparation of other newer ships. And I thought there's something interesting here about this notion of essentially kind of partially reusing materials, but in a way in essentially using them up for in order to prepare something else and how it kind of feels in a way like an allegory for some of the ways that some men are treated when they come back from wars and now some women, but in, especially in the Second World War, there were a lot of men came back. This was a time before really significant money had been invested or time been invested into considering the effects of PTSD. And so kind of people who were just, oh, they were shell-shocked. They were essentially just disregarded as now being one of the uh, kind of people who'd been broken by the war and that there being no way to fix them. So I want to explore this kind of notion of almost the way that an entire generation of men who came back, who managed to survive, but never really left the war, were let down by the people who they'd gone off to fight for, who could have protected them better. And using this through the metaphor of um, presenting it as these ships that are broken down and there could be work done to repair them, to get them back. But instead, they're just used to train up other ships by blowing them up. And um, how am I going to do this? I, I don't know. Mixture of various types of theatre. Probably it's going to be a very lyrical, text-heavy speak piece with a lot of kind of speaking and metaphors. But yeah, that's kind of my loose idea. Um I think I think I know how you'd frame it. Or I've got I, an idea. I I know it. where I'd perform it though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for this week, obviously, um, when you're thinking ships, you think the shipbuilding town, Belfast. The Belfast Lyric Theatre is the only full time, constantly full time, theatre producing um, institution in Northern Ireland. And it's also a beautiful theatre with a wonderful kind of like weird kind of curve to the ceiling that you you have to see it to believe it, really. It, I can't do it justice. But it's a wonderful theatre and I think it'd be a great place for doing this. 
I thought kind of somewhat similar to Jem's idea, kind of using a mixture of projection and things. And I thought we could use this to tell this tale of essentially a generation that we're in need of fixing, but we're just left to be blown away. I, I like it. And I've, I've got an image in my head of these two soldiers who are kind of put into a care home kind of thing, but they're playing battleships. Oh, and that's the metaphor. good. Oh. Yeah. And the metaphor comes out of, of, the, of broken ships being blown up. But they they're in this care home. They've been they've 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 just been put in a box. Like we put old people in a box, but these are two young guys, who, you know, because they weren't old when they went off to war. But they came back and. They are in. They they are just thrown in this in this little box to play battleships together, and when one gets really excited and goes, <laughs> uh, you know, just as a how you would play battleships the other one has a a moment where they illustrate that they they are broken in a way that can be so easily fixed well not easily can, but we now know how to fix them but can we leave like we like a nice cut here because this is too much of a good idea to put out for free okay someone write this down <laughs> i'm writing it down i'm actually genuinely like liking this one I like it a lot. I'm 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 very into my mental uh, health, and I'm 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 reading again on lots of uh, different. Uh, uh, are you, Jem? Mental management. Have you Have you thought of launching a separate podcast about that? And I you have. know what? You know what we're gonna find out. Jem really loves battleships. She really <laughs> loves it. I really, really do love battleships. Oh, oh yeah! Is this Jem's other podcast, Battleships Anonymous? Where she speaks to other addicts of the board game battleships. Don't tempt me. If anybody is is if anybody really really like likes battleships and just wants to have a ch- chat whilst we play battleships, I am totally totally down for that. Oh, I want to do that. As long as the intro to it is just you playing the clip of, from the Simpsons, of the old man just going, "You sunk my battleship." <laughs> I'm not good on Simpsons okay. references. No. no. I think that um, might be the first Simpsons reference I've got into this podcast, actually. And it shall remain... I, and, the, and considering the, the other one. week I got in over 50 Dionne Warwick references. Which, to be fair, that's that's impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. Right. Any other questions for Joe's, Joe's pitch? No, I like it. Despite the fact... Um, yeah, I really like it. To answer your only other question, Sean, yes, you can have the rights to it. No charge. Yay! We're going to make the show. <laughs> I'm gonna get as long you as you don't write. expect me to write it. I, I expect you to write everything, Joe, to be honest with you. <laughs> if we want it done in under seven years, Joe's got to write it. You write the words. I make it look pretty on stage. I light it. Yeah. Backlight in it. And I boss everybody around until it's done. And we we make Gemma feel like she does stuff. Mm. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Sorry, hey, Gem. Um, On that Sean, note, Sean, what's your pitch Sean, so I can slaughter what, you? What's your pitch before Gem tries to bring up what uh, potatoes again? Oh, no potatoes. Um, I really wish I'd gone first, to be honest with you. <laughs> you guys have done two really serious things about... The condition of like. Oh, please don't tell me yours how... is just Starlight Express, but with boats and in Russia. No, no, it's it's not a spin-off. It's not like a Russian. It's not. It's not further building out the bravest theatrical universe. <laughs> I should have done it. So, um, I spent a lot of the week trying to work out how to do a show on this aircraft carrier, and. Then I reread it again and realised that these aircraft carriers don't even exist anymore. So it'd be too much of a budget like problem to rebuild this ship. So I had to completely rethink that anyway. And I couldn't think of a good. I, f- I couldn't. 
I don't think it's a good idea to stage shows on the sea. I think that's the one thing I I came to this this week. I don't think it's a um a good location. So what was so I had another look and I saw Soviet Union and I was like, okay, okay. So I was thinking spies, yeah, Cold War. That's where my head went. Ecstasy spies. So I was thinking, I'm thinking spies, but then I was also like, ooh, the spy genre. It's not really something that like is big in theatre. You don't see many. You you don't see any like James Bond the musical, or you know, Tom. Was it Tom? What's his face? The spy guy. Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy. He's never written a stage musical or anything. So I thought, oh, I wonder why that is. So like I said, I was at the top of this ladder this morning. And um, I thought, oh, is it 39 Steps? I thought, that's a stage show about spies. It's not Russian spies. It's a British spy. So that's where I was. Okay. So my idea, it's very, it's for me, it's very, I'm, I've gone with the plot. So, think, you know how Bourne, you know the Bourne series, you know how that starts? And he's like washed up on a yeah. boat and it's like, oh, I don't know my memories, but I'm a spy, right? So that's sort of how I'm starting. He's a British spy. You, you don't you don't know what it is. Well, you do. He's, oh, actually, you know what? I've changed my mind. There's going to be a prologue, right, where him and a Russian spy are on a boat. And they have it out, and da 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 da. The British one survives, but then he's rescued. There's like there's like a bit like they they go out for sea, and he's rescued by the the Russians. On <laughs> you see how I should have went first. You guys are really serious. Anyway, he's saved by the Russians on this aircraft carrier. He's saved on the ship. That's where the ship comes in, and he wakes up. And he realises they're all speaking Russian, right? This is where I've, I'm, I don't know what film I'm rubbing this off, but I think this this is this is a really good technique, right? For the whole show, they are going to be speaking in Russian, but the way to get around that is I'm going to have him waking up in hospital, and they're talking in Russian, and then eventually they just sort of like blend into English with Russian accents. So we've got that bit at yeah, the start okay. to establish they're all Russian, they're talking Russian, but because no one in this audience talks Russian, we're going to blend it into English and everyone just get on board that when you hear English, it's Russian. Yeah? Yeah. So that's my story. He wakes up, he figures out that he's not on a British ship, he's on a Russian ship, and now you think he is the spy that he has killed in the prologue. Yeah. And the, okay. whole, the whole plot of the thing is him trying to play the role of this spy, integrate himself onto the ship, and get access to a helicopter so he can make his escape. And it's a comedy. I'll... It's a comedy like the uh, theatre version of 39 Steps. And it is 39 Steps, isn't it? I'm not just like... Fucking yeah. out the wrong number. Cool. Yeah, um, the um, the adaptation of the Hitchcock yeah, play, where they kind yeah. of do it in that like play that goes wrong style. With uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's him like oh like yeah. So that's my thinking. And then he gets the helicopter, but then he's like he, he makes friends along the way because he realizes that yeah they're on the other side of this war, but they're just they're just the same as me. They're not the ones making the orders. They're not the ones making the decisions. They're just trying to survive. They're just trying... So even though he was going to plan to sink the ship and then get the helicopter, he just gets the helicopter because he's a cool guy. <laughs> it's not the best okay. pitch I've had. And it did... And I've never... I hadn't said it out loud before. I said it in my head. And uh, it's it was better in here. But that's my idea that it's a comedy and like there it's it's like a spy thriller, but it's a lot of fun. He's trying to not trip up, he's trying to there could be a scene, there could be that like classic scene where like they're all eating like a classic meal, but because he's British, he's like 
Ah, oh, I'm just going to pretend to eat this and enjoy it. I don't know. We can play on some stereotypes. I don't know if that's, like, problematic. But it's a lot of fun. That's my idea. Yeah. By the way, um, I did just want to say interesting fact for you, Sean. If you're wondering why not a lot of people have tried to do the spy stuff on stage, I've just I think it why. might have something to do with the fact that um, uh, the uh, the only two examples I could think of were um, Alan Bennett had a pair of shorts that were kind of presented like as a pairing where it was like they're both about an hour-ish and they were presented with an interval in between called Single Spies. Um, and then also Tom Stoppard had a play about um, a British spy master who she was struggling to bu- juggle her career and motherhood. And in both instances, these are the only two notable things I can think of of notable playwrights writing plays about spies. They're in both instances regarded as some of the weaker works of their canons. So I don't know whether it's people have struggled for years to actually work out how to make spies work on stage. It's, it's hard. This is one of my weakest pitches. I get it. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that the difficulty with spy stuff is that Talking about it is just dark. Talking, but showing it, showing it, and being sexy about the cars and the explosions and whatnot—that makes it appealing and cool and fun and stuff. And you can't necessarily do big car chases or big explosions or or capture the James Bond of spies well, in a theatre was, setting. In my in my head, it was it was less like James Bond and more like. Um, you, you know that scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're in the bar. Yeah. You've never seen Inglorious. No, I, I gave I gave up. It. I, I uh, no. I, I watched the first like five ten minutes until Brad Pitt took way too much joy sculpting someone, and I went, "This is too much for me." I no, I'm good. This is not oh, for me. I'm good. So, so you haven't watched the entirety of Tarantino's masterpiece. Yeah, maybe. No, one of the best just, films uh, ever. Yeah unnecessarily brutal if if you're wondering i could do a separate podcast on my thoughts on the canon of tarantino so i'm not going to get into that now we don't want him to become the new potato um no but i was going to say sean you could kind of yeah take more of a vibe of like uh if you've read any or seen any works um adapted of john le carre like you know kind of tinker taylor soldier spy that sort of thing where it's kind of Mm -hmm. it's this kind of cold claustrophobic atmosphere of the kind of nature of being a spy and the sheer paranoia that it induces in the worry that everyone around you could be someone who's waiting to betray you um i think there are ways to do it on the stage i just don't think they've been fully explored as more that it's 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 yeah it's more it's it's less that it's more like he's trying to play this part on the boat it's mm. it's that feeling of like at any point anyone could kill me on this boat if they realise that I'm not who they think I am. Mm. So it's is is playing the part whilst playing the part, and he's and he's got to survive. And it's a lot of fun. And it's I'm I'm just thinking of scenes like the one in Quentin, the one in Glorious Bastards where he does the free wrong, where he's like, can I order free? But like the German way, apparently, is ordering it like that, and it's just little things like that that he's got to try fingers. and he's got to try and keep on top of. And then, and then when they catch him on certain stuff, he comes up with like ludicrous ways, and he's and like his uh, he always comes up with some like crazy story. But because he's because everyone knows he's that spy that we've picked up, his stories get even more and more wild. And that's how he gets away with some See, of the stuff that he's like, oh, oh, I've done this thing. They don't really do that in the Soviet Union. Oh, well, I've done that because mm. because I was behind enemy lines for like two years and I had to engross my... It goes proper method with it. I don't know. That's See, see, I, 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 I think as much as you're sitting there going, there's no way to smush this. I think that there is a really wonderful I way of smushing I was I, I hadn't even got to the smush. I was still trying to give some material for the smush. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, you got I, no more I, questions I've got, for I've my. I've got the smush. I think I've got the average smush. idea. Are we done with me? Are we done with me? It's a comedy yeah. spy thing on a boat, and he gets he gets in a helicopter at the end, and it's like that scene from Miss Saigon. It goes, and he's done it. So, shall I pitch a smush? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay. It's what we're here so, for, isn't it? This smushed pitch is we find a group of ex-soldiers sat round a circle. It's a, it's a support circle, right? And it's kind of one flew out of the cookies nest kind of thing, but it's they are all together in a rehabilitation centre for soldiers. Okay. They were all part of the wars. They were all part of fighting for the Soviet Union. They all have this thing that joins them together. We work verbatim work into these stories and into these 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 moments, especially in the support circle around them. Um, and we explore the this metaphor of broken down ships within the show. But the plot is driven by, you've got the soldier with PTSD, you've got the soldier who is here for anger management problems. I listened to a great little snippet from a, a podcast about how they still do support groups um, now, which is great, uh, but more and more you just feel like it's it's not an anger management support group, It's it's a support group for dealing with the incompetent people in the military, which was just a hilarious story. But so it's a support group where you've got the P the PTS person, the, 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 the person with anger management issues that very similar people who've interacted with the military, right? Including, um, this one guy who admits that he's a spy. And nobody believes that he's a spy. Everybody's like that. That doesn't. That that's not part of it. That doesn't exist. And we go on this sort of this this journey with this person who thinks that they're a spy. And and it's 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 done really in in a comedic way, but also the best comedy for me is always where you're smushing up against really dark stuff. That idea that. It can be really, really funny. Or if you just ask a spy about that one time they killed a guy with an umbrella injection on a crossing. Like, if that you just ask them about that, that's really dark. And how darkness smushes right up against comedy to find this nice little sweet spot. Hang on, Gemma. But, are you, are you yeah. saying you find a man killing another man with an umbrella funny? No, okay, just not in reality, no. but you can pitch it as something quite funny okay. if you do it in a slapstick way. I'm pretty, Charlie, I'm pretty sure Charlie Chaplin did something like that uh, or would have had a go at it. But it's this idea of... Because also with the, the spy, you spoke about this par paranoia and also the impersonation, which these are all things that can happen within the psychological world as well. And so the the, the plot is driven by finding out whether this guy is a spy or not. But the show is also is exploring this idea of uh, handling mental health crises caused by war and how we do or do not actually handle those things and how well we handle those things. Because we still have... A, an epidemic of of issues caused by our current and 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 uh, recent wars that we aren't handling particularly well, um, but then thrown in there as well is it's it's very informed the still the stories that are being told are very informed by actual verbatim work, um, and you've got people from modern day that actually served a long time ago so you've got the old timers that are in 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 the hole as it were but i think that could be quite fun is you know this idea of playing the farce but also really pushing that far that the the, the, the farce up against some dark serious stuff mm. to yeah kind of 
have a very thrilling vibe. That that's my that's how I would smush it. Um, I I yeah okay. I still think the idea of two people playing battleships is the best thing that's come out of this podcast. But yeah, Gem, let's go with that as the smush and make everyone else think that that's the best idea. And secretly, we know, we know where the money yeah. is. Okay, it's we like all... we are spies. We don't. We we. It's like we are spies. We're trying to mislead them. So it's the whole. Yeah. It's it's the whole prestige of it, isn't it? It's you know, kind of. We want you to look at what we're putting, holding up in front of your face, because then you won't look at what's going on behind yeah. your back. Yeah, and it's battleships. Yeah. Or is it? Is us playing Ooh. battleships? Um, can I ask? Ooh. Can I ask you guys a question quickly? Because I yes. feel like yeah. we. I feel like we left my f- masterpiece far too quickly. Um, just curious. That idea I rubbed some from some film that I have no idea what it was. If you start off as the the foreign language and mid sentence, mm-hmm. like blend into yeah. English. Do you think that would? Do you think an audience would be on board with that? Because say if you were going to set something in a foreign country. And it made no sense why all the characters were talking English. But you had to, for it to be like an enjoyable show, you didn't want them to be talking mm. a foreign language that the audience don't know throughout the whole thing. And you haven't, you can't, unlike a film, you can't use subtitles. Do you think that would be a good way of getting it from like, look, this is the language and we're switching to English? Do you think that would be a good. Just curious for I th- I, for me for the future. No, I, I genuinely think, think you can. I think you can do that very easily. I think it's just about where you draw draw the line. It's like anything you do in theatre where you have to sort of introduce the audience to the concept and introduce the audience to set their kind of expectations, like you do with interactive stuff and and breaking the fourth wall and or, or keeping a fourth wall up and things like that. I think you'd have to you, you'd be putting yourself up for a, a fun challenge if you were jumping between english and russian throughout the show but there's no i don't see why there's a real reason why it can work in film but not in theater it's not it's not inherently a filmic technique so i think that it would work i think it would just be something where you'd have to manage it well and i think you'd probably struggle to to make the decision where the line is of like now you stop speaking russian um well i would do it really early room. on it would be like oh no yeah yeah it would of course really really early on but is it you start a couple of words and then go or is it half a scene and then you go i think where that actual specific line at the beginning of the show is, I think that will come from seeing it and performing it and directing it I would, and workshop, working that a little bit. I would do it. Um, I would do it like one character says a few sentences in, the, let's say, Russian, and the next character replies, and they've got like three sentences that say that, and like halfway through their three sentences, they've sort of blended into English. So their sentences I... start in Russian and by the time they've finished their bit, it ends in English. I think personally it's yeah, a technique I mean, you could also... that could work. But ultimately I will remind you that um, any allowances made to try and make the audience more comfortable are an act of theatrical cowardice and that the audience should not be allowed to enjoy themselves. Oh at oh the expense God. of true art. Have you not? And this is why Joe seen, is not the director. Have you not seen anything from my pitches? You guys come up with the serious shit, and then I come up with the thing people will enjoy. Right. If there's one thing I do, is try and make sure audience enjoy themselves. Okay. For God's sake. I think, <laughs> Sean, one of the ways that you could do it, especially within the frame of your show, is... Like, I'm pretty sure they do it with the Born Identity as well, where... When the guy is waking up on on the ship, and you know when you kind of blink yourself in back into reality and everything's a little bit fuzzy, I think you can play with that moment, and play with that moment of, and then also use 
use the technique of uh, repeat, like a repeated sentence. Like um, if somebody's saying, wake up, wake up, but they start saying it in Russian and so that's you establish, better. okay, that's, that's, that's better. And then, and then, and then the, and then the guy shakes his head and then it comes out. And then the next time after the guy shakes his head, the per- it comes out and the person's like, wake up. The third one and then says, he's like, says the third one in English and the first two are in the yeah. foreign language. I'll take that. I'll take that. Joe, yeah. now I know that you said making any allowance for the audience's like being comfortable is cowardice. All of your improv shows make so much more sense to me now. Yeah. <laughs> so much uh, more I sense. I have made it very clear the audience are not there to enjoy themselves. I'm there to have a good time and your enjoyment is circumstantial. So right. You're such so a good adver- it- advertisement for your staff, Joe. <laughs> Honestly, if there's anything that um, the uh, pandemic has shown me, it's the irrelevance of the audience in performance. It's uh, quite frankly, it's better if it's just me doing it for my own enjoyment. As a as a Liverpool fan, I could not disagree with you. I could not disagree with you more. If there's one thing I've been noticing, is that football needs audiences so much. Anyway, that's the show. Um, Battleships is great. Um, <laughs> Joe hates audiences. Gemma finds... I don't... Je- we're still not quite sure of what Gemma's humour is yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Wait, so Joe, we might find out if she has one. Yep. Hey, hey, she was... She, she, people thought she was a stand-up comedian. Okay. Yeah. And she, we still and don't know if that was just in comparison. Day. That might just be... This might just be a low bar. Do you know what? She eventually she'll show us that like gig, and we'll be like, we'll be speechless. We'll be speechless. It, it is on the internet it, for everybody to see. Um, that's news to us. <laughs> I, I hope it's in the plug-in at the end of this show because I want to watch it. But um, so, before we um, end the show, Joe, next week for a bonus app of me and Sean reacting to Gem's stand-up set. Okay, I've got. I'm up. I'm up for that. Um, hey, Joe, I'm just taking control now. I, f- I feel like I've got power Go after shooting down potatoes. Joe, tell us what this week's. Oh no! Oh, oh, this is my bit. Oh, I had power yeah. for a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, Sean, you've cheated yourself out of a bit now, <laughs> and I fell apart. Um, hey, Joe. Wh- you know, while you go and find out what next week's Wikipedia is, I'm gonna yeah. While do my I bit. pretend to not have already found it. Ah, oh, I've I've completely messed it up. I've complete right, guys. Hey, this is the bit now. <laughs> hey, if you want to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the other stuff, it's OFITD Arts on most of them. There is one where it's just OFITD. Cannot remember which one. So just stick I with Arts. And if it's Twitter, it might no. I don't. Yeah, I think it might be. Yes, it I think is. It might be Instagram. Let Let's be honest. We all use Instagram now. You know, ever since like all the old people in our family have got Facebook, everyone's just gone. No, thank you. Apart from when you want to talk. <laughs> apart from when you want to talk to people, where you haven't actually got their number to WhatsApp them, you just send them a message on Facebook. That's the only reason. That is literally the only reason we use Facebook now is to communicate to people that you don't care enough. To have their actual phone numbers. Okay. We're fine, Joe. I've got your number and I've got your number, Gem. So I can say that. Um, but if you want to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, no, not on Facebook. On the Twitter. Um, it's still Shawnee B. If you want to follow Gemma. It's OFITD underscore Gem with a J. And if you want to follow Joe. You can do so at not Joe Ronchka. That's N O T J O E R A C Z K A, and you can also find me on numerous other things. There is Little Boots Part Four of that will be coming out very soon. So if you want to get in now while the getting is good. There's Can Follow with Joe and Joe. There is Boat Club, and if you want to find Sean and he hasn't uh, added you on Facebook, you can do so at O Seven Four. No. <laughs> Um, I am never, ever going to say anything about your intros again, Gemma. 
Never. <laughs> I was very, I was literally Never, about ever. to point this out of like how how you doing there, Sean? How you doing there on your high horse? I'm just uh finding somewhere to put my noose. <laughs> Joe, what's the article for next week? The article for next week is Braille. Braille is a tactile writing system used by people who are visually impaired. It is traditionally written with embossed paper. Braille users can read computer screens or other electronic supports using refreshable Braille displays. They can write Braille with the original slate and stylus or typed on a Braille writer, such as a portable note-taker or computer that prints with an embosser. Wow. And okay. it's important to note for next week, just before you start thinking about this, this article is about the writing system itself, not about the person who created Braille. There is a separate article for Louis Braille. I don't want to hear you two pitching the biopic of the life of okay. Louis Braille who created Braille. No, I wasn't. Braille. I wasn't. I think this is. I think this is going to be a good one, actually. Yeah. Because it's going to. Yeah. It's, it's think... going to force me to not be so reliant on visuals. Um, yeah. Yeah, I fit. I'd be impressed if you made a really highly visual show that fit within the concept, though. Well, I'm not gonna. Somehow. So don't get your expectations up. No. Yeah. I'm too gonna. Late. I'm gonna. Do you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna enjoy this. I feel like I'm gonna do a lot of research now into like theater for the for the yeah. theater for the blind. I've never, I've never even thought of like that being a thing, but it must be. So. Yeah, it is. So. Uh, yeah, you can. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's what that's I, what my week's going to be. I'm just going to say now, I definitely know something Sean's going to bring up next week. And um, you can ask me about it next week, but I know what Sean's idea is already. I don't know my own. I know what Sean's idea is. Can you tell is. me? Can you, and then I can do something no. else this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Without any spoilers for next week, um, thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye! Pitch out, bitches! <laughs> <laughs>